And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. It is Tuesday. I've got my Invader coffee, and it is time to rock and roll here. We are live from the bunker. Welcome, everyone. The comments are live. The chat is live. If you are not live, you can still send us an email or leave a comment. Uh, the email address live from the bunker at sci-fi-for-me.com. And. If you are on social, we're on all the social stuffs and things. You can find us, just uh, search sci-fi for me, and you can connect with us all over the, the interwebs that way. And if you are into podcasts as opposed to video, we do have a number of places where you can find us that way. iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Double Twitch, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Pocket Cast. And I got an email today from a new podcast platform called Verbal that apparently found our show. So uh, we're we're gonna look into that because it's a I guess they're a an RSS feed farm. Uh, they have found our show, so we'll take a look there and see if that's worth pursuing. Assuming that we survive that long, I'm probably going to, uh, I'm probably going to be, probably going to find myself with a target on my back after today. Hello, Cam1138 and Sci-Fi Snob. If you don't have the interwebs, you are probably better off. We do also have a newsletter. I want to encourage you to sign up for that. You can find that over on the .com or in our show notes. Coming up tomorrow, Tony Weisskopf, an editor over at Band Books, Hugo Award nominee. Very well respected in the genre literature community. And then on Thursday, we're going to have a fairy pee session. SB the Every Fairy will be here to take your calls live. Answer your questions, dish, dish out unqualified advice. So you want to tune in for that. That's coming up on Thursday. And after today's session, I might very well need some fairy pay myself because uh, here we go. All right. Those of you who are listening uh, to this as a podcast and not looking at the video, you're going to be at some some disadvantage because we're going to be going through a number of pieces of art, comic book art, with regard to this topic. So if you are uh, wanting to uh, play along, as it were, uh, then I would suggest uh, finding the video, going over to our, our YouTube channel, or hopefully if Facebook cooperates, we can do that there as well, and uh, you can find that video Over the weekend, this started. This this started with 
a blow up over on Twitter like it normally does. I don't like getting into the drama, but it does raise a topic for conversation and that's where we're going to uh, that's where we're gonna go. Now it started uh, with a piece of artwork from this comic book. This is Avengers number 42 written by Jason Aaron art by uh, Luca Maresca. And I'm not going to show you yet. I want to get into a little bit of history. Well, yeah, I'm going to get into a little bit of the history of the of the character we're talking about. Because we're talking about She-Hulk, who appears in this book. And apparently, I haven't been following this, but apparently the Phoenix Force is back. And the Phoenix Force is, is, uh, is possessing various different characters. And apparently there's some sort of a competition to see who's going to be the next host of the Phoenix Force. This is a very complicated, long drawn It's... Anyway, the Phoenix Force is back. For those of you who know what the Phoenix Force is, maybe that is significant. And for those of you who don't know what the Phoenix Force is, it's not really important to, to be able to follow along here. But with regard to She-Hulk, let's... Uh, I don't know. Should, we, should I show you this? Uh, let's see. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, I'm going to hold this for a second because I want to I want to set this up properly. Uh, and again, those of you who are listening to this podcast, you're going to you're going to be a little shortchanged because we're going to go through a lot of pictures here. So the beginnings of She-Hulk to hear Stan Lee talk about it. The story that he tells is that um Back in the day, when Universal Television was producing The Incredible Hulk on ABC, Bill Bixby, uh, has, uh, starring as David Bruce Banner, and Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. And I think one of the reasons why they changed his name to David was to reinforce that whole David versus Goliath, Jekyll and Hyde thing. But Bruce Banner became David Banner in the TV show. And Stan Lee telling the story about the success of the TV show. And uh, apparently somebody at Marvel Comics said, well, you know, if Universal gets it in their head to do any kind of spinoffs, they'll own it. Uh, hello, Robert, in the chat. And so uh, Stan Stan's telling the story. He says, you know, what we got to do we got to if they're, they're going to come up with a female version of Hulk. So we need to do it first. And that's where she Hulk came from was basically a preemptive move in order to keep Universal Television from developing their own characters. Uh, it's what's called derivative works, uh, for those of you who, uh, who are interested in the way copyright and licensing works. Basically, if I have a character, and that's one of the, one of the things that gets talked about with, uh, with the J.J. Abrams material in both Star Trek and Star Wars, if I license a property, if I license a character or a story universe, say like Fantastic Four or the Hulk, or if I go over to Marvel and or, or I'll go over to DC and, and license Superman or something, and if I create something new as part of my work, that becomes what's called a derivative work, whether it's a spinoff or a reboot or a, a new character that that gets introduced, uh, you know, some of the some of the stuff that we know from the Superman mythology, the Daily Planet, Perry, uh, 
Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, that stuff came from the radio show before it ever showed up at the comics. And so they, these things kind of have a life of their own at some point, and ownership vests in whoever creates it. And so they had the concern that if, you know, if Universal Television got it in their heads that they could do derivative works based on the Bill Bixby TV show, they could do a spinoff. And what's the most natural spinoff is to do a female character because they just did it with the $6 million man. You have the $6 million man, you have the bionic woman. So history repeats itself. The Incredible Hulk is very successful. Well, what do we do? Let's make a female version. I mean, you look at the CBS Saturday morning, you had the, the Shazam Isis pairing. So that uh, that became that became the pattern. And they said, well, if Universal comes up with this female Hulk, then they'll have the rights and they'll own it and they'll be able to exploit it and they'll be able to make the money on it. Whereas if we come up with a female version of a Hulk... We can control the character. We own the rights. We make the money because other people will pay to use the character. And so that is where we get She-Hulk, who made her debut in the Savage She-Hulk. This is 1979. And the general origin in story, now that's the, that's the real-life origin in story, her origin, Jennifer Walters, she's a lawyer, and she is the cousin of Bruce Banner. And through her work as a lawyer, she gets caught up in the middle of trouble and mess and things, ends up getting shot. And the only way to save her is with a blood transfusion. And the only one who matches is Bruce Banner. And so with with his with the the transfusion of his blood, Jennifer Walters becomes the She-Hulk. And the original the original She-Hulk was a little bit more savage, uncontrolled, and then and then John Byrne got a hold of her. And the sensational She-Hulk basically changed the dynamic of the character entirely. And changed comics, sort of, because She-Hulk, like Deadpool, She-Hulk is self-aware. She knows that she's a comic book character, and she does frequently break the fourth wall and talk to the audience, but then she also talks to the artist. She, she in the book, addresses John Byrne and sometimes complains about some of the situations that he puts her in. And so it was it was a fun romp and Peter David continued that with his run. And even though it didn't sell a lot, this version of the character was very 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 popular. So as as things happen and over the last 4 or 5 years especially but into the into the into the other years past, as Marvel has become Marvel, and we've seen this with a number of characters, it seems like that Marvel wants to. It feels like Marvel doesn't want their female characters to be female. She Hulk is. Uh, 
just one example. Uh, I mean, we can get into the Captain Marvel stuff with Carol Danvers uh, and and take a look at some of that as well. But She-Hulk, as we go through this, you have uh, a run after Civil War II in which Bruce Banner was killed by Hawkeye. And the trauma, the, the trauma after that uh, affected Jennifer uh, psychologically to the point where in, in the run from Mario Tamaki, she became a little bit more of a rage monster. That's where we started to see the gray She-Hulk. And eventually, with Bruce being dead, she just becomes Hulk in, in a new title. And not too many people were happy with it. And even then, you have uh, in, in some of the artwork, uh, starts to reflect some of the more modern sensibilities of Hulk. Now, you have a comparison here. This is from Avengers uh, 20, where the current She-Hulk, who doesn't really look all that attractive, is being confronted by her psyche in the form of the John Byrne She-Hulk. And there's quite a bit of difference here, as you can see. It's... This this just doesn't look like She-Hulk. Neither does this. This is... And this is not fan art. This is not Tumblr art. This is not. Uh, this is not just some some person uh, doing something off the cuff. This is actual published artwork. And this is from uh, this here is is artwork from uh, Mariko Tamaki's run. But you look at the difference here. Even both of them, uh, both of these, you know, this Julian Lopez artwork. This, I mean. The proportions on this, the framing, the perspective, this is this is bad art. And this friend uh, from Francesco Gaston, a little bit more cartoony looking, okay. And then you have this from Thor and She-Hulk, and I don't know what's going on here. I know that Thor is going to be channeling the gamma radiation from She-Hulk's body into his lightning. But the framing on this, it doesn't really look like that's what they're doing. And then we get to Avengers 42, which is the most recent version, uh, the, the most recent story, the latest example. And this is where it gets fun for the weekend. So let me show you this, because this is where it starts. In the pages of Avengers 42, this is art by Luca Maresca, this is She-Hulk with the Phoenix Force occupying her body. That, so, somebody, somebody correct me on this and check me on this. Does that look like She-Hulk? Uh, set aside for the, for the moment whether or not this looks female or not, this looks almost like Amadeus Cho's Hulk. Because for a while, Amadeus Cho was Hulk. This doesn't look like She-Hulk at all. Neither does this. 
I mean, look at this. This is a, an Avengers number one. This is the beginning of, of Jason Aaron's run. But look at this She-Hulk. I just... But this... This is not She-Hulk. And over the weekend, Anna, that Star Wars girl, decided... Let's let's redraw it. I'm not going to show that because I'm I'm not too impressed with that. Anna's a, Anna's a fairly good artist, but what she did with this particular one, I think, was ex a little bit more exaggerated than it should have been. But it touched off a firestorm on Twitter over the weekend, and you have the usual suspects coming out and calling Anna various different names. This is where we are now, folks. This is not where we should be. This is why comics are failing. This is why comics are not selling. This is why a lot of people are going over to manga. They say, oh, the comics industry is doing great. You know, the comics industry is doing gangbusters. Well, yeah, it is because people are buying manga. They're not buying Marvel and DC because of this kind of thing. The defeminization, if uh, defemination, I think is the is the proper word. The defemination of characters like She-Hulk, like Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, it is. It is one of those things where you have, uh, like what Barry Weiss talked about when she resigned from the New York Times, there are so many people who are way too concerned with what the Tumblr Twitterati crowd thinks about anything. And until, until we can break Twitter's chokehold on the culture... We're going to continue to do this sort of thing. Uh, Mazers, welcome in, in the chat. Uh, Sci-Fi Snob says it's because they're trying to avoid the male gaze. I didn't think Anna's redraw was very good. I don't think she put much time in it. was just trying to trigger a response. That's entirely possible because I've seen her do better work. Um, she recently posted the, uh, the Cara Dune artwork that she just did, and I know she's working on a Bo-Katan portrait now, and that's much better than what she did uh, with this. And even some of her redraws on the Jedi High Republic concept art is much better. And that's another example of this. When you look at some of the concept art coming out of High Republic, you know, Ram Jammerum is supposed to be a guy. And for the most part, I think everybody in the general public assumed that it was just an overweight, overweight woman. And it's not. Ram Jamaram apparently is a guy. And Avar Chris, the original concept art, is not very feminine at all. I just... Why are we here? Stop and consider that this here... Let me, uh, let me zoom in on this. This is a picture of Ms. Marvel. This is what she looked like when she 
started in this particular costume. Let me zoom in here. And, you know, this is this is David Cockrum on pencils for this. And this is what she looked like for a number of years before she became Captain Marvel. Heroic, but yes, it is, you know, I guess catering to the male gaze. And then you have this. Then you have the the modern Captain Marvel. Now, I want you to look at this because this is published Marvel Comics art. This is not fan art. This is not This is not fan fiction here, folks. This is actual published Captain Marvel artwork in the books. This has gotten us to the point where Carol Danvers, I mean, look at this. This is, this is just, there's hardly any definition of detail in this at all. This, this is why, and, th and then this. This Carol Danvers looks like a potato. And this is official Marvel Comics published art. So is this. Captain Marvel looking like Jason Mewes from Jay and Silent Bob. I just, I just don't understand why we're at this point. Well... Let me let me let me back up for a second. I do understand why we're here because uh, the culture being what it is, we're looking at the the can I coin a word the degenderization of society. There is a very vocal, very active. Uh, group of activists out there. And a lot of them are online. A lot of them are on Twitter. A lot of them are on Tumblr. And this idea that men and women are interchangeable has inculcated itself into a lot of our discussions. And I think that's a problem because when you, when you start to when you start to look at uh, this idea of men and women being absolutely no different from each other, uh, then you have a problem. Then you have artwork like this where you can't tell. And I think this is trying to normalize some things that for a long time in society was not normal. And I'm likely to get a target put on my back for this and I'm I'm likely to get demonetized for stuff like this but this is this is reflective of a bigger problem that we have in our culture where you have people who think they are something they're not and up until a few years ago was considered uh, a health issue, let's say. 
But now you have this uh, this situation, and and Tulsi Gabbard has even come out on this, where where uh, male biological males, transgendered, uh, cl- uh, calling themselves female, are trying to compete in girls' sports, and they're dominating the girls' sports. Martina Navratilova has come out against this. Tulsi Gabbard's come out against this. They are not conservatives. They're not Republicans. But there is a danger here, not just in uh, a reduction of the of the respect and the importance that women should have, but also the fact that from a biological standpoint, you have these people who have a, a higher amount of testosterone competing in these sports, and somebody is going to get hurt badly. And... You want to call yourself a girl, that's fine. Knock yourself out. More power to you. But the radicalization of this movement, the third and fourth wave feminist movement, and all of this results in the culture wars. And I, and I saw uh, uh, a video from, from Thinking Critical. Wes was talking to Eric Breen on this, on this subject with, with She-Hulk. And Eric Eric Brain makes a very good point. There are now two audiences for all of this. You have your traditional historical audience, the people who have been around for years and years and years and decades and nigh on forever. And then you have the new audience. You have the new the new Tumblerati audience. And Wes makes a good point that these these new fans the activist fans, they're not buying any of this. They're not buying the product. They're just complaining about the product, not meeting their expectations. But if they're consuming the product, a lot of them are, are, are pirating the product. They're not buying it. I mean, you look at the sales numbers. The sales numbers don't reflect any of this being popular. So what is to be done about it? I'm wondering if we've turned a corner a little bit. Because now you actually have some pushback on some of this stuff from people on the left. Um, people like Tim Pool. You have uh, Brandon Straka's walkaway movement. And you've got some pushback uh, on various different people in the comics industry. I mean, people are starting to sit there and say, we don't want this. We're not buying this. We're not going to buy this. And the indie comics are doing fairly well as a result. And then you have articles like what came out in the New York Times uh, that basically says that one of France's biggest problems, the country of France, one of France's biggest problems is the American woke left. And I was really surprised to see that headline in the New York Times. Because the New York Times is one of the, one of the, the culprits of all of this. Mazur is in the chat. This all boils back down to narcissism and discrimination, to threaten to not like something if you don't like it because it's not like you. Exactly. The, if that's, that's it. A lot. That's a lot of it. And that goes back to the whole iGen 
everybody's wired for immediate likes and feedback and retweets and reshares. And if you don't comment, then why don't you like me? And it's this instant gratification of me, 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 now, now, now that comes from having everything at your fingertips all the time. Well, I can just look it up on Google. Well, I can just watch YouTube. I just click a button and there it is. And people are not wired to work for anything. They want it now. They want it their way, and they want it now. Cam1138, there's a generation that knows nothing more than I want. Yes. I think that's, a, that's, that's it exactly. Uh, Sci-Fi Snob says, it can't go on forever. They can't keep publishing failed books forever. I think they can, because they have. But... I don't think that they're looking at it from a profit standpoint anymore. If you look at the sales numbers, the numbers the numbers are not great going into retail. But we see that both Marvel and DC are pivoting into the YA novel space. Uh, both prose novels and graphic novels in the YA space, that's where the next audience, they think, is going to be. And that next audience, that YA audience, is this same kind of narcissistic, narcissistic, self-absorbed, me-now group that's wired into Tumblr and Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok and, and whatever the next whatever the next next is going to be. And you have this generation who is, and, and my kid my kid is right in there with him. I mean, he's 19, and he's got a, he's got a decent work ethic. I wouldn't say that it's a great work ethic, but it's typical of the generation where if you don't, if, if it doesn't go your way, you, you quit and go do something else. And that doesn't go your way, you quit and do something else. And if that doesn't go your way, you quit and do something else. It's a cycle that it just perpetuates itself. And it's self-defeating, ultimately. But I don't think that the comics publishers, Marvel and DC especially, but I think some of that with Image and IDW and, and, and Boom and all of those... I think they're not looking to make a profit from the floppies. The profit comes a little bit from the graphic novel space, the YA space, but these are lost leaders. They continue to publish these stories so that they can maintain the IP for exploitation in merchandise and movies and TV shows. And She-Hulk... You know, we know we're going to get a TV a TV series on Disney Plus with Tatiana Maslany. So, which She-Hulk is going to show up? Is it going to be John Burns She-Hulk, or is it going to be? I mean, is it going to be this She-Hulk here, or is it going to be this She-Hulk? I mean, you look at those. You look at those. I mean. The two couldn't be any more different. Which one do you think we're going to get in the new 
in the new show. Uh, Sci-Fi Snob says, my daughter is the YA crowd. She doesn't like this stuff. She likes manga. And, and there's, there's a whole group of those, too. But I think the, the YA crowd, just in, in the broad sense, in a general sense, that age group, that demographic, um, you know, the, if you've got some that are, that are skewing toward manga, it's because they've been taught, they've been told, they've been given an example of, of the better product. Uh, Mazur says people tend to actively seek out what they don't like rather than try to engage in things they like or search for things they might like. I, I do blame social media largely for that. Yeah. Agreed. And it's just like, uh, what was it, David Burge? Find something that, uh, find something that's popular, find something people like, get into it, kill it, wear its skin. And this is just more of that, I think. Um, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's not an easy answer for this. And look, if, if, if you are in the crowd who likes this She-Hulk, this modern take on She-Hulk, and if you like this, that's fine. More power to you. You're, you're more than welcome to like what you like. The problem comes when somebody says they don't like this, they don't like X, and you get the virtue signaling keyboard warriors out in force brigading people who say they don't like this. How dare you? And you get into the name calling and you get into the, the, the bullying and and anybody who doesn't like this new this new She-Hulk is an istophobe, Nazi, racist, sexist, whatever. I mean, it's objectively, it's fairly decent artwork, just on the main, but. It's not She-Hulk. I can make that distinction. I can sit here and I can look at this and I can say, okay, it's it's decent art. It's not great. It's not fantastic art. It doesn't bowl me over. But the lines are clean and the perspective is good and okay, it's fine. From a craft standpoint, from a skill standpoint, it's not bad artwork, but it's a terrible depiction of She-Hulk. I mean, it's, is she even being called She-Hulk at this point? Or is she still being called Hulk? Because Bruce Banner is sort of back. I don't know. I haven't kept up because I don't... I, like I said, I've been a DC guy all my life. I'm not, I'm not big into Marvel. I, I keep an eye on it peripherally because of what I do here. But... I, I don't know. Uh, Mazer says, if you told me that was a male Hulk, I'd go with it without questioning it. Sorry, but I would. And, and I don't blame you. I mean, I can kind of tell a little bit that this might be a female character, but I'd be hard-pressed to do it in a glance. I had to look at it. But for the, for the, bully, for the Twitterati to come after Anna, 
or whoever sits there and says this is terrible artwork this is this is a this is a a, a, a poor example of she-hulk and for the for the twitter crowd and the tumblr crowd to sit there come in and say you know how dare you that kind of behavior has to stop that's not productive and i don't think that they're trying to I don't think they're trying to do anything constructive with their brigading and bullying. I think they're just trying to be... I, I think they just want to be bullies. So, yeah, SciFest Knives says, if you're just going to draw She-Hulk like the Hulk and take all the femaleness out of it, why not just bring back the Hulk? And I think they have. I don't know that the Hulk currently is fully the big bulky Hulk. I don't know. I, I saw something the other day. It looks like it looks like the current Hulk is kind of a, a, a skinny shell of himself, but I could have that wrong. I don't know. Like I said, I haven't kept up. But I don't know. Mrs. Boss, you're you're a you're a woman and you're an artist. <coughs> and yes. you've and you've looked at this. Ugh. Um What's your take on this? I mean, you you draw. You drawing. You have drawings. I've done drawings. And first of all, had nobody told me that this was She-Hulk, I wouldn't have thought it was She-Hulk. Mm -hmm. It looks like a new... I mean, I can see where it can be related to Hulk as like a cousin of the male sort. I just, it's frustrating. I mean, okay, don't get me wrong. I've been dieting and exercising long enough and my ideal buff feminine body would be Linda Hamilton from Terminator, Terminator 2. Okay. Fantastic, super sexy, and buff, I'm going to kick your butt. And <laughs> that's when you kind of realize, oh, you can do that to your back and flex your back. Mm -hmm. So ideally, if I, you know, if I could go that direction and if I put my mind to it, that's what I would want to do. Having, in my mind, if you're going to have a comic book character, unless they're like super, super slinky, Sexy, you know, doing something. Okay, I, I get that. But if you're going to have um, have that female be buff or something to that effect, you know, go th kind of that direction, but keep her feminism there. She's, this, is, this is not a female. And even with bodybuilders, and you see how much they push themselves to the extreme. Right. But they're still... Some parts of the anatomy, no matter how much they push, and I had a girlfriend who did this and did competitions, they still are in their little skimpy bikinis showing off their bodies, which they've done amazing work on, but you can still kind of tell that they are a girl because they have those body parts mm -hmm. that are maybe not as big as normal, but because it is muscular. On the complete flip side, look at how they destroyed She-Ra. 
because you went from taking a kind of like She-Hulk going completely male. You have She-Ra, who is full woman, going completely teenage boy. Right. And again, it's... I... (laughs) I have a lot I really want to say, but at the same time, I don't want to cross the line. Well, and, and, and you mentioned the bodybuilding. Um, I had the opportunity myself to shoot a She-Hulk cosplay photo set. And this is bodybuilder, uh, uh, fighter. She's, she's got a history uh, as an athlete uh, in, I, in the ring. She's a boxer. Francesca Alcantar. Alcantar. And this is, you know, full body paint. This is her as She-Hulk. And then we, we did this shot here, recreating this cover. And that's Francesca in both both versions. You've got Jennifer arguing with She-Hulk. And that's a, that's a recreation of the cover. Francesca is a very muscular woman and still looks like a woman. I mean, even back in the day when China was alive, as buff as she got and everything, she looked like a woman and showed her femininity. I know that we've talked with some people about how comic book women in the comics are over sexualized well so are the men and see and that's the other part of this uh, uh, the other part of the argument here is the fact that so many so many so many of the of the keyboard warriors complain so much about the sexualization of the female characters and they never say boo about anything i mean how many times has chris hemsworth shown up in the movies with his shirt off in a thor movie isn't that part of his contract i it's, it's same kind of thing i mean Okay, and you know, and we've got this thing with Mass Effect, you know, taking out some of the butt shots for Miranda, um, and you know, uh, Liana Kersner had a good uh, video about this the other day, basically saying that part of Miranda's character is the fact that Daddy created her to be the perfect female specimen, eye candy to look at, male gaze, and all of that, and that's part of her. That's part of her arc. And she said, when you go from Mass Effect all the way through Mass Effect 3, and Miranda's very last line in all of that is, nobody's perfect, that's a whole arc where Miranda knows at the beginning that she was designed to be a, a man's idea of perfect. And that's what some of, that, some, of, some of those camera shots lean into. It's that we're in on the gag type of thing. And the, and the character goes all the way to the end knowing and, and acknowledging nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect, even though Daddy tried to make me perfect. There's a character arc. There's a story arc there. And when people sit and they focus so much on the butt shot, they're missing the overall point of everything else. And you're going into this kind of thing where comic book characters, they get complained about being uh, overly sexualized for the, for the male gaze. The pendulum swings back the other way, and they can overcompensate. I mean, you look at some of this stuff, the you know, some of this artwork from Captain Marvel, and you can understand why Carol Danvers is called Carl Manvers 
in some of this stuff because the artwork on this is absolutely terrible. I mean, this is... This is this is Marvel Comics. This is not fan fiction. You know, Potato Face. This is official Marvel Comics. This is published in their book. And this this is this is what happens when Jim Shooter is no longer in charge of Marvel Comics. This is what happens when you have 20 and 30-year-old somethings that grew up on Tumblr thinking that they know better. It's just, this, this just goes into some conversations, discussions that we've had. And, <clears throat> and I'm just, and I, because of something else that I was distracted to, I haven't heard exactly everything that's been said over the last, you know, 40 some odd minutes, mm -hmm. 50 minutes. I just, it's kind of, kind of like, now, cut me off if I'm going too much, okay? But, for instance, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, it's like the sports yeah, and the transgender. And you mo mainly are seeing transgender, so males, people who were born as a male but identify as a female wanting to participate in female sports. Yep, and we talked about that, and the fact that Tulsi Gabbard has come out, and Martina Navratilova has come out, mm -hmm. and they've said, hey, this is kind of not a good idea, because somebody's going to get hurt. Well, so you have this going on. And he, it, it appears that it's, like Robert just said, I, this is oppression of women entities. You have the men coming in and doing something within the women, and it does bring them down. You have female characters in the comics, like Captain uh, Captain Marvel, what you just showed. Well, it's it's your, it's like I said, your third and fourth wave feminists who are deciding that women can't be women. Yeah, they're not now, allowed when to be can feminine. We, when are when are we going to actually? Is is it is it that? Is it I mean, where I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, if you what? if you go back, I mean, even even listen to uh, Camille Paglia and her complaints about third wave feminism and and all of this. When is it going to be okay to sit there and flip it onto the guys? Because more often not, that's what. I mean, when are we going to start? You know, I mean, f feminizing these men. I mean, how how would they feel if you feminized? You know Hulk, or if you feminize Tony Stark, he's already actually, you know metrosexual, so that borderline. Actually, actually, it's funny you should you should say that. Um, what was that? What if Thor was? was I mean, what if we turned Thor more into a female? I mean, how would people react to that? Well, because all of a sudden, you know, yeah, it's, but there is uh, there is a a. a, a a thing called the Hawkeye Initiative, which is kind of that. Uh, it was it was uh, tongue in cheek. It was done over a Tumblr, 
but it was basically taking Hawkeye and putting Hawkeye in the various different poses that you would see uh, the women in. And uh, let me let me show you an example here. This is and Robert. And of course, it's a, I know it's a he joke. was made female, but take Thor as the male and make him feminine. Don't have another character who is a female be him. Well, now Robert, let me let me let me take issue with that. Thor was not made a female because Thor Odin's son is still Thor Odin's son. Jane Foster became Thor in the comic books, but it's a completely different character. When you say Thor was made a female, that would imply that Thor Odin's son was turned into a woman. Now we've seen Loki do that. Loki, through his magic, you know, impersonates and takes on various different forms, and sometimes there is a female Loki. But Thor was not turned into a woman. There's just a woman who now has the name Thor because she has Mjolnir. There's, there's a there. I, I need to I need to make that distinction because my thought is when is Thor going to start taking suppressants for his. Not, and stuff. but this is the this is the Hawkeye initiative. This is basically putting Hawkeye in various different poses that you see uh, the women do, and you know the idea is to um, call out this particular type of artwork uh, with regard to the sexualization of the women characters, and it and it's effective in showing how some of these poses are a little bit unrealistic. Uh, but It's a comic book. I know, but see, the thing about it is, though, that whole where are her organs thing, I have seen photographs of people, actual real people, cosplayers, recreating some of these poses that people say, well, you, you can't pose like that. The body doesn't move like that. Well, here's a photograph of 12 people doing it. You know, it's it's one of those things where... A lot the, of yoga. The realism doesn't quite translate to these people. These people who complain about all this stuff don't have realistic expectations. They want to sit there and they want to complain about something because they want to have something to complain about. For contrast, let me give you this. Well, you're giving you that. Because today happens to be the birthday of Frank Franzetta, fantasy artist. This is one of his pieces. Frazetta was a master. And the female form, I mean, a lot of his artwork we can't show you because it's not safe for work. This one, this one's barely there. But Frank Frazetta knew how to drew knew how to draw both men and women his artwork graced uh, heavy metal magazine conan the barbarian covers and then you have an artist named julie bell julie bell also does a lot of fantasy art she's married to uh, boris viejo who also does a lot of fantasy art featuring women who are both muscular and curvy that looks that's that's normal I mean, I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. I, that's, that's exactly my point, is that if you're going to do any kind of artwork for She-Hulk or Captain Marvel or Wonder Woman or Red Sonja, 
or pick any. They need to they need to look like women because they're women. And I back to what Snob had said. Men are still oppressing women. Now they just become women to do it. <laughs> I have to kind of agree with you on this because well, it's just, just, it's kind of another, it's like, okay, it can't be done this way. And I'm not saying it's all men, obviously, but for those out there, it goes around because it's, I mean, that's what is happening. It's like, okay, now what? Yeah. You know, what what do what do women now have to quote unquote overcome? We have to overcome men being a woman. Well, and that goes back to to the interviews that that Camille uh Camille Pally did. I mean, she's she's a she's a women's lib feminist. This is back in the late 60s and 70s. She was part of the women's lib movement. And She's done a number of interviews that of late complaining about the third wave feminist movement basically destroying feminism, uh, both from a cultural standpoint, a political standpoint. Uh, basically, this uh, uh, this version of feminism, she says, is all to do with let's hate men. And it has nothing to do with female empowerment so much as just a degradation of the male. And, you know, we even see culturally this argument, you know, the the focus so much on identity politics and race and gender. And that's the thing. That's the selling point. That's the that's the lead item in the marketing. Eventually, knock on wood, hopefully, this eventually will lose its uh, lose its potency, lose its attraction, and maybe we get back a little bit more toward men and women in the comic books looking like men and women. Maybe I mean, well, still, there's still going to be idealized versions. There's, I mean, you're going to have that. And, you know, the one thing studying literature like I have with, you know, my schooling and all that, mm. you know, the pendulum, pendulum swings and yeah. it goes so far and then it'll come back and then it's going to be super, you know, the other way. I mean, it, it, that's, that's the way it is. And you look yeah. at the history of literature and that's, you can see in society where it has done this and you know it'll be definitely a nice swing back to you know a norm of right. some sort but it's just i think as long as we've still got artists like adam hughes and jamie tindall and j scott campbell and you know for all that everybody looked at the stuff that, that Milo Monaro did with the Spider-Woman pose and, you know, how, how how degrading and sexualized it was. And then you have cosplayers posing in that pose saying, well, it's it's doable, you know. And 
I think as long as you have artists like that who are willing to to do that artwork and push back a little bit, because J. Scott Campbell pushed back some, and you have art artists who are sitting there going, "Don't paint me, don't put me in a box, don't put me in a group, don't associate with me, you know, don't associate me with any movement. I just let me do my art." As long as you have artists that are willing to stand up for their work. Until they get canceled. Well, even even the ones that are trying to get canceled. I mean, you have um, uh, Tom King going after, um, I can't remember his name, um, for doing a, doing a variant cover for Ethan Van Skyver. How dare he? Jay Lee. Thank you, Cam. Uh, and, and Jay uh, took to, to, to Instagram and said, I'm, I don't want to be any part of any, any group. Don't categorize me with anything. I did. I do my artwork. You know, people like my art. They pay for my art. I go do my art. And, you know, that kind of pushback is, I think, critical to getting Twitter and Tumblr out of the mainstream control center for the culture. I think I think I think Barry Weiss had it had it right. There are too many organizations, too many business entities, too many corporate people that are too worried and too concerned about what those 12 crazy people on Twitter think. Just because you've got a blue checkmark by your name does not make your opinion any more relevant, any more influential. It shouldn't matter. Everybody is entitled to an opinion. And there are going to be people who are probably not going to like my opinion. And that's fine. And we'll probably get some thumbs down on this video. And that's fine. As long as we get some thumbs up on this video, too. But the thing is, is at least we're having a conversation over it. And don't get me wrong. I, I always believe in having that conversation. I may not agree with whatever someone says and it's kind of like with you and mr harvey on h2o you don't always agree but you have a civilized conversation and you're both willing to listen to what the other one brings to the table yeah. as food for thought whether it does change your thought you know that's between you and whatever you decide at that point but so much of today is just who can shout louder Mm -hmm. and my ears are plugged up. I have plenty of people that I'm with around that don't agree with me on what I believe in. And I'm yep. also very careful about what I do talk about it because I know that there are those who will listen and then there are those that I will never hear again because I agree on having pineapple on my pizza. So... <coughs> See, by the state, he has to stick around. It's too expensive to leave me now yeah. over this. Mazur says, I think to embrace modern identity politics is to embrace a form of segregation because that's what identity politics is doing. It's breaking people down into smaller groups rather than having an open-minded conversation about all the gray areas. That's, exa that's exactly right. Very. And I, I have said for a number of years now uh, that identity politics, you have – whether it's political organizations or cultural organizations or various different movements, um, identity politics, grouping people into groups, separating them and keeping them focused on what makes them different 
that is a, it is a strategy and it's a tactic designed to keep us at each other's throats because as long as we're fighting each other, we are not fighting who's actually causing the problems. And you have, you know, and this goes back to an overall general, uh, general comment on the culture at large, but also uh, the interference and the influence of government agencies and political organizations that are not necessarily uh, elected officials, but you have people like the ACLU and CARE and Planned Parenthood and, you know, the NRA and CPAC and whoever, you know, name, name your group. But as long as we're, as, as long as we're back at each other, neener, 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 we're not focused on the greater challenges that come from Washington, D.C. Well, what interests me is that we go through, we go through these phases in life. You grow up. You get into elementary school, you get into junior high, you start deciding who you are. And, you know, in high school, we're all unique and all this, even though all high schoolers look exactly the same to me. Mm-hmm. But in their mind, that's not what it is. I'm different. You and I are different. I'm my own person. And right. this and that. And everything in society is saying that's not true. Well, because that's what they're trying to do by, like you said, segregate. I mean, okay, you're, 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 you may be different, but you're actually part of that group. So, well, and that goes back to what, what we've said about Twitter being, you know, junior high mean girls. Yeah. They've never grown up. No matter how old they are, they are emotionally constipated. That's that's my phrase, trademark. <laughs> they are emotionally constipated, and they are not able to have a rational, mature, intelligent conversation about anything on which people disagree with them. So anyway, all right, all right we've gone long. <sighs> Lively chat today. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Mazerus, Snob, Cam1138, Robert. Who else has been in there? Uh, Mindy somebody. <clears throat> All, right. All right. And thank you, Mindy, for, for contributing your two cents worth. And and those of you who are watching this uh, after the fact, when we're not live, uh, you can always leave a comment and share your thoughts as well. And uh, if you have topics that you would like to suggest or if you have guests that you would like to see us invite to come on the program, you can send us an email live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com and let us know what you'd like to see us cover here on this program. And uh, don't forget, tomorrow we will have Hugo nominated editor from Bayon Books, Tony Weisskopf, will be here. And on Thursday, we're going to do an experiment in fairy pay. SB, the Every Fairy, will be here uh, with us to answer your questions. Take your calls. We're going to do an open mic stream where people can come on and ask questions, get some advice, see what happens. It'll be a Dear Abby type of thing, only it's going to be a Dear SB, Dear Fairy. It'll be marvelous or fail marvelously that we'll love. It'll be great. It'll be 
fine because you never know what she's going to say. That is true. And neither does she. That is very true. All right. Thanks very much for being here, folks. <laughs> we will be back tomorrow live from the bunker here on Sci-Fi for Me TV. And remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.